If you're over 40, I want to offer you a personal recommendation. Add nitric oxide support to your daily health regimen. You've heard me talk about nitric oxide before. It has a critical impact on the health of your circulatory system, which is critical cardiovascular, cognitive, and even sexual health. We're all born with the ability to make adequate levels of nitric oxide, but as we age, our production goes down and the efficiency of our body's critical systems are affected. To address my own levels and the levels of my patients, I use Berkeley Life's Nitric Oxide Support Supplement. Berkeley Life's Easy 2 Capsule Daily Regimen offers a consistent dose of dietary nitrates, the key ingredient that our bodies need to regain healthy levels of nitric oxide. If you're over 40 or treating blood pressure or erectile dysfunction, I suggest you add Berkeley Life to your routine. You can access Berkeley Life by going to berkeleylife.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman for a special on Berkeley Life's nitric oxide support products and enjoy the boost in nitric oxide that I and my patients all enjoy. Again, that's berkeleylife.com slash Hoffman and use code Hoffman for special access to Berkeley Life. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and once again, it's time for our weekly Q&A with Layla. It's, uh, well, it's the dog days of summer, but uh, yeah, not for us, because for we us. keep uh, churning away. Uh, yeah. What is this? Probably, you know, we've done several hundred of these over the past uh, few years. Uh, we're reliable, yeah. uh, like the U.S. mail used to be. <laughs> Not anymore, right? right? U.S. mail. Uh, we, yeah. uh, you know, on, we guarantee on-time delivery of your weekly podcast. And uh, this is our Q&A with Layla, where we answer questions. Radio program at AOL.com is the <laughs> destination for questions. I'm very pleased to see that you're all availing yourselves of the opportunity to pose questions, because we have a fair number of questions yeah. in the mm-hmm. email basket. Uh, before we get to questions, though, I came across a fascinating article in Scientific American. You know, Scientific American is something that, um, you know, sometimes if I'm, like, i got to get in a plane, you know, they tell you you can't use electronic devices. So I always like to have something, a paper yes. thing to read. Yeah. You know, even my newspaper these days is on is on a, um, you know, electronic device. So I can't read even the newspaper. Right, right. So I like to have, like, a, something, you know, that's like paper where I can turn the pages. It's also better for our eyes to read paper from time to time because we're burning out our retinas, apparently, from uh, all this blue light. Well, my eyes, the, the, you know, yeah. I have issues with uh, vision from over-reading for so many years. Yeah. Um, so the uh, article that uh, came to my attention... Um, in Scientific American, at Scientific American, you know, you got to, it's like eight bucks at the airport or something when you go, oh, everything's well. eight bucks at the Everything airport. Everything is, it's like, you know, uh, <laughs> a, 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 like a, a package of mints is eight bucks. It's eight dollars. I think they decided yeah. that was minimum price for anything. Yeah. So, uh, in, uh, the pages of Scientific American, very interesting article, um, is medicine overrated? Uh, it's a review of a book that I'm going to get. I'm going to get the book. Mm-hmm. Maybe I will uh, interview the author. It's a, the book is a little bit. Of a, it's a it's philosophy of science, and the guy is named Jacob Stegenga. He is a philosopher of science at the University of Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Kind of a cool thing. Uh, he's mm-hmm. not a doctor, but he sort of um, reflects on the philosopher. state of medicine. 
philosopher. Yeah. Kind of. It, yeah. The book is entitled, I love this title, Medical Nihilism. Ooh. Good title. So he presents a devastating critique of medicine. Most mm-hmm. treatments, he argues, do not work very well, and many do more harm than good. Therefore, he says, quote, we should have little confidence in medical interventions and resort to them much more sparingly. Boy, this is a man after my own heart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, and he's not like anti-medicine, and he's actually by no means a fan of holistic medicine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he actually quotes, this is a very famous quote, Oliver Wendell Holmes, who's considered like the father of American medicine, he was the dean of Harvard Medical School, mm-hmm. wrote famously, and I think you've seen this meme, he wrote, quote, if the whole materia medica as now used, that's the body of medical uh, interventions, mm-hmm. if the whole materia medica as now used could be sunk to the bottom of the sea, it would be all the better for mankind and all the worse for the fishes. Now, this is something wow. that he wrote in 1860. We know we've made a lot of progress in medicine, no question. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with, there was this, after 1860, there was actually more scientific medicine. There were some breakthroughs, uh, antibiotics, notably, anesthesia techniques, yeah. uh, vaccines. Emergency medicine. Emergency medicine. What would we do without that? You know, what would you, I mean, literally, uh, you know, when you were shot or injured on a battlefield, your only hope was to have an amputation, you know, and uh, then the mortality was like half for any kind of wound. You know, sure. you got shot in the hand and you would die. Yeah. Um, so uh, they, we made a lot of progress. He, he acknowledges that. Uh, but uh, he says most uh, forms of cancer, as well as heart disease, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, arthritis, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, lack cures or reliable treatments. Uh, he writes, also, many widely consumed medications are barely effective and have many harmful side effects, um, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, he, he warns readers not to stop taking prescribed medications without medical supervision. I mean, you right. read that book and you say, oh, medical legalism, I can stop doing it. You know. No, no, no. Uh, he says abrupt cessation can be risky, mm-hmm. but he says uh, that our health will improve and our costs shrink if we resort to treatments much less often, uh, as Hippocrates once said, to do nothing is also a good remedy. I like mm. that aphorism. To do, do nothing. nothing. You know, or and let food be thy medicine. Don't just stand there, do nothing. Yes, yes, you yes, know, yes, yes. Or, you know, or resort to, you know, people criticize homeopathy because they say it's ineffective. Well, one of the things that's nice about homeopathy is that whether or not it's effective, it's sort of a holding action when you feel you need a, an intervention, and the intervention could actually be more harmful than the um, than non-action. Yes. So, for ex- an example of which is if you have bronchitis. Well, bronchitis in many uh, studies has been shown to be something which is gradually resolving mm-hmm. without antibiotics. But most people take antibiotics because even doctors believe that uh, bronchitis is a bacterial infection, and therefore antibiotics are the solution. Yeah. And yet they cause a lot of side effects, and many studies show that they don't hasten resolution except for the most serious cases of bronchitis in perhaps an immunocompromised person. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of those, I mean, an example of which, I had a patient yesterday, she questioned me. She said, uh, my doctor told me I have osteopenia, mm. which is just a, a loss of bone, which mm. is age appropriate. Yes. I mean, to call it a disease is an exaggeration. It's an example yeah. of disease creep. It's like saying 
gray hair is a disease. Oh no! You know, it's no, no, it's <laughs> I'm a, riddled. Or wrinkles are a disease. Oh, no. You know, no, they're they're actually an accoutrement of the natural aging process. Yeah. And it, do we we can yes okay nice cosmetic treatments fine you know knock yourself out, but osteopenia she wanted to put this uh, person on Prolia. Which is a powerful medication for osteopenia. Which which is fine. You know, if you have a minus four point five T score and your your that's your osteoporosis. Are, that's severe. osteoporosis. Severe osteoporosis. But osteopenia. You know, then you know we we would need to undertake some kind of remedial action. But yeah. you know, it was to design. Prolia was never designed, never intended to prevent osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. It's not. A, a, it was meant to treat it. So yeah. He also says that medical research is slanted toward positive results. Uh, he writes a critique of clinical trials. Everybody wants positive results. Patients are desperate to be cured. Uh, journals are eager, eager to publish good medical news. And then journals and mass media publicize it. The public reads it. And then researchers uh, have skin in the game because then they gain grants, glory, and tenure by showing that a treatment works. So the bias is towards it works. Yes. Whatever. Agent X. Yeah. You know, this new drug is a breakthrough, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I think he probably takes a very, you know, for some people would find this tedious, you know, to buy a book that costs probably, you know, 60 bucks and <laughs> do a deep dive on, you know, statistics. I'd be interested uh, in reading it. I'm going to, I think I'm going to get it. I think you should it. interview. I'm, well, yeah. I'm going to, he does, um, sometimes these guys are a little cagey about interviews, you know, they're academics. And they may or may not want to do a popular podcast with a holistic doctor. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes yeah. a little hard to get these guys, but I might try to get the guy. Of trials carried out before 2000, 57% showed benefits from interventions. Um, mm. Compared to 8% of later trials, which were designed with less input from industry and more from independent researchers. So that shows you the, the bias. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... I, There's I, also suppression of the trials that don't turn exactly, out the way they exactly, want. Exactly, exactly. This is actually, uh, here's one hmm. where, I mean, a classic example of which, I don't want to take too much time, I want to get to questions, but there was a study comparing generic L-theroxin uh, uh, to Synthroid. Mm -hmm. And I, it was sponsored by the makers of Synthroid. Oh. And... <laughs> So they. So what, what do we think they found? So what they, they commissioned a researcher. Yeah. And the researcher said, you know, we found that they were equivalent. They really pretty much the same. So the makers of Synthroid said, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Here's your fee for doing the research because they, you know, they get a, like a whatever a mm -hmm. grant or something, uh, payout basically. Yeah. And yeah. and then she said, well, when are you going to publish it? And they said, well. Mm, when you give us the right answer. Yeah. The, the answer was, <laughs> when, you, when you give us the answer we were seeking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. so yeah. she became uh -huh. a whistleblower, mm -hmm. and she actually uh, you know, Good called us her. to the regulatory agencies. Good. And I think the makers of uh, Synthroid were penalized for deep-sixing the research. But that doesn't always happen. Some, you know, re it's That's like, true. It yeah. didn't work. So you don't want to publish it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm fine with a study that says something doesn't work. That, yeah, but, you know, the pharmaceutical industry isn't fine with, you know, the suppression of over 60% of their studies that most antidepressants don't quite do what they're supposed to do. Or they're, or they're equivalent to placebo. Yeah. Because if I give you an intervention and I say, this is going to help your depression, it's a, 
It's a mind disorder, it's, and so it's, it's very. It's about belief. Yeah, it's it, what there's going to be a lot of placebo effect. I remember you telling me yep. a while back about a case of a woman who was handed a misdiagnosis by a doctor, mm -hmm. and she'd come to tell you about it. But she'd come to tell you about it years later. But apparently, because she believed it, yeah, she actually became that. Yeah. She manifested she actually, symptoms. She manifested yeah. it. She was afflicted with this it. This is called a nocebo effect. It's the yeah. opposite of a placebo. It's like a voodoo curse. Yeah. It's like the doctors say, well, you know, if you say, well, doc, how long do I have to leave? Well, at most six months. So you're going to have a programmed death in six months. Yeah. You're actually, you know, unless you say, oh, doc, you're full of beans. Yeah, unless you, you know, don't believe the doctor and say, no. I, I had that a little bit, you know, and I don't want to keep going because I want to answer questions, but I had that a little <laughs> bit with my hip. Okay. Uh, I have a friend mm -hmm. whose husband is an orthopedist, mm -hmm. and I, I see them socially. And uh, so the, the husband is a rather dour individual. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit of a sourpuss. And so <laughs> I was talking to him, and I said, you know, I, I broke my hip, and I, he sa I said, I think I can rehab it. It's coming along. And he said, yes, you can, but you'll never be the same. And he pronounced that kind of... Hmm. voodoo curse on me and I said in my mind I said you're full of it I'm gonna Good I'm gonna you. I'm gonna show you yeah <laughs> and so every time I see them subsequently I uh -huh. you know he goes how's the hip and I go it's great I've done several triathlons since. <laughs> and I, I feel great I said I'm just as slow as I ever was I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> no. no slower uh -huh. I'm, but I'm just I'm fine in fact I said the other the other side bothers me a little bit. Ah. You know, it's not even you know I don't even notice it because you have stronger you have a stronger hip now the one that you fractured. Right. Apparently. Also, I didn't subscribe to his yeah nocebo prediction. Right. Anyway, so I, these are I but it is fascinating. That, that book I I feel is in my wheelhouse. Yeah. And as a I'd like to read uh, it too. I'm going to look for that. As a student of anthropology, you know what I've also learned is not to be judgmental about systems that work and many yeah. cultures. We think of them as primitive, but they have systems that work that sustain their health. Yeah. And we really need to look at our medicine not so much as a scientific phenomenon, but as a cultural phenomenon and as a sort of the, the anthropology of our belief about health is tied up with drugs and surgery and so on. That would uh, make a is, great thesis right there about yeah. Western medicine. Yeah. But so, you know, I, yeah. it, it's sort of the thesis to some extent of intelligent medicine is that. Yeah. There are many healing paths, mm -hmm. and um, you know, let's keep mm -hmm. it, let's keep it, um, let's keep it low on the mind. intervention mm -hmm. um, level, and not do harmful interventions unnecessarily. Okay, yeah. end, of, end of sermon. I'll get up. I could have kept going about that one, but yeah. okay. <laughs> it, just, okay. It, it triggered me. <laughs> yes. In a good way. Yes. Yes. We have an email from Sylvia. I have osteopenia with my numbers being two. Or she means negative minus two. two. Minus right. two. My so, so just to situate yeah. um, how that works is it's these are standard deviations below the mean, the yeah. average for a 35-year-old. I think they're looking at pretty healthy 35-year-olds because I think there's probably a lot of 35-year-olds without great bone. But somehow they picked this. True. And so you're minus one, you're about, you know, 60% of people. Let's see, how does that work? Well, I, you know, this, you, 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 minus two is... A, is not quite to the threshold where you're more likely to have fractures. It's mm -hmm. on the way. Minus 2.5 is the official cutoff point for osteoporosis. For osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. Some, sometimes minus 2.6. 
So you need to have almost you know three standard deviations below the mean to be mm -hmm. at risk for fractures. So minus two depends on the person's age. Does she state it? Yeah, she does not. Okay. Sylvia does not. So so minus two for an eighty-year-old, I'd say was would be great because yeah. you don't have that many more years. Osteopenia, it's not osteoporosis. Yeah, you don't have that many more years to go into osteoporosis. Yeah. Um, but you know, for forty-five-year-old, that might be a warning sign. It might be a warning risk. sign. Sure. She says my last DEXA scan said that I have lost four percent of mineralization. Subsequently, I broke my leg with the tibia shattered, requiring oh. a plate and screws. Wow. Am I a candidate for strontium? I'm a long-time listener of your podcast and radio show and value your judgment. Well, the, the answer is it, it, it wouldn't hurt. Um, I think, um, so there's definitely information that strontium is beneficial for osteoporosis. Uh, based on European studies where they use a lot of strontium over there in the form yeah. of strontium ranolate. Here we use strontium chloride or strontium carbonate. Strontium um, citrate. Strontium citrate. Uh, that's the, the over-the-counter form. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I would say that uh, it will strengthen bone. The, I don't know that much about nature of her fracture. Yeah. Uh, if she had a very, I mean, I had a fracture, and I don't have osteoporosis, and I had a traumatic fracture, so yeah. it wasn't due to osteoporosis. Right. Um, you know, somebody who has fabulous She's osteopenic, osteopenic with this particular trauma. I'm thinking ostinol. Ostinol sure. is ostinol is bone morphogenetic protein. It's definitely helpful for healing mm -hmm. uh, wounds. Mm -hmm. um, the that's um, ostinol. I think it's still available at full strip. There were some issues with certain yes. strengths of it being available. Right. I think there were three um, different strengths. Strontium. Mm -hmm. I don't think strontium has been that well studied in fracture healing. Mm -hmm. um, I've got to actually look that up because a friend of mine. Uh, he's a, he's a photographer. And he does those, you know, those those uh, reality shows where it's like, whatever, you know, twenty somethings run amok in a dating house, blah oh, blah blah. Oh golly, <laughs> like, you know, the, you know, it, it, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. like Big Brother, but you know, like a knockoff version of that. So he was filming something like that. They had him mm -hmm. standing in a pool. He slipped and he fell and he broke a shoulder. Ow, ow. Um, and so I, I got to, I'm going to do a little uh, check on whether. He is going to likely respond to strontium, strontium. Uh, for bone strengthening mm -hmm. in healing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it interferes with healing. Mm -hmm. By the way, I was told not there are certain things you should not take when you're healing a bone, like uh, NSAIDs. They actually prevent union of bone. They get Interesting. In the way. Yeah. And of course, somebody would take that for pain, pain sure. rather than an opiate don't take or it. something. If right? you need pain relief, take something with Tylenol, Tylenol. You know, like... Um, uh, Vicodin, you know, which is a narcotic. Or Tylenol with, 3. With Tylenol but, with morphine? But it's, Tylenol yeah. 3? No, there's, yeah. Well, I remember my wisdom teeth used, and I was given codeine. that. codeine. It's codeine. With codeine, codeine, yeah, not morphine. It's more used for dental. Um, you know, Furacet. Oh, no, Furacet. Yeah, Furacet is the Tylenol version of mm -hmm. that pain reliever. Mm -hmm. And, um, Furanal, I think, has yeah. an NSAID or an aspirin or something. Okay, so stay away from NSAIDs. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. I mean, and I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm not advocating for these really, really heavy-duty pain relievers, but, yeah. man, you have that kind of pain. Um, That's something. You sometimes need, I mean, I needed narcotic pain relief when I had broken my Of course. Head. Yeah. That's trauma. Um, and you had surgery. Yeah, and of had course. surgery, right. Yeah. yeah so. 
absolutely. So if strontium, if not strontium, that, that's the question. But ostinol, uh, we like magnesium, vitamin D. We like uh, we want vitamin K, I think right. would be helpful. That would all be helpful. Yeah, even, even would you consider calcium at all in this instance? Or? Um, not a not a high dose. We don't yeah, like I mean, a high I dose a of that bit anymore. Of calcium a little would bit be of calcium under those circumstances, maybe mm-hmm. not a lifetime right uh, diagnosis and a lifetime support with calcium. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sylvia, we hope you feel better soon. Okay. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce the Plus CBD Relief line of soft gels. Plus CBD Relief is the ideal way to help promote a healthy inflammatory response. Plus CBD Relief is doctor-formulated with recovery-supporting ingredients, including CBD, CBDA, and Levagen plus PEA. Relief soft gels help address minor everyday soreness, support joint function, and encourage recovery following strenuous activity. All Plus CBD products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. And with a 90-day satisfaction guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's Relief Soft Gels. We have, uh, we've got an interesting email from Sue. Hi, Leyland, Dr. Hoffman. My husband and I are of the age where we're needing more and more tests for various ailments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes our doctors want to add contrast dyes, and so far we've kept their needles at bay. Right. So please, what are your feelings about gadolinium dyes? Gad. Hold on. Is no. it more likely to die from the dye or to die from a misdiagnosis because we wouldn't drink the dye? Right. I that, love that. Sue, thanks for that. That's called the risk-benefit <laughs> equation. Yeah. Yeah. So with gadolinium, um, there is the potential for gadolinium to accumulate in the central nervous system. And that mm-hmm. can be very devastating. Hmm. And it's hard to get it out. I mean, I have people who yeah. come to me and say... I've got high levels of gadolinium. Can you get it out of my system? And there, I, there's not really, you know, EDTA chelation is not mm, so, uh, I mean, it's controversial as to whether that gets the gadolinium out, especially if it's deep into your system. Yeah. So why does it occur? It occurs mostly in people who have compromised renal function. As you get older, generally yeah. your renal function deteriorates a little bit. <clears throat> so I would really minimize gadolinium exposure if possible. Now, it will give a less uh, definitive picture. It depends on what you're imaging. Now, I'm yeah. not a radiologist, but I will tell you that, you know, for most soft tissue things, like if you're looking at a knee or a shoulder or something like you don't really need gadolinium. Yeah. If you're looking at the brain, it's useful to have gadolinium. You know, if you want to see if there's lesions yeah. like MS, <clears throat> gadolinium is... A, About 20 years ago, I had labyrinthitis. I had vertigo for months and, you right. know, it, it wasn't it wasn't going away. So, you so I got an MRI yeah. and I got the, the dye. Right. There was no acoustic neuroma. There was nothing, thank God. Right. But, yeah, they gave me the... There was nothing right. that... You know, but you were also a healthy, young yeah. adult who had no <clears throat> signs of renal failure. Right. And you survived. Yeah. So, there, there are certain circumstances. I mean, it, it depends. But I think <laughs> the conversation to have with a physician is, Doc, I'd like to minimize my exposure to this. Yeah. Uh, I know it's probably it's 99% safe, but I don't want to run the risk. Is there any way to avoid the, the test? Do mm-hmm. you really think you're going to gain that much more from using the dye? 
And doctors hopefully will give you a measured response on that and say, mm -hmm. you know, I think we can manage to do it without the dye this time. If there's any questions on the scan, we'll, you know, unfortunately mm -hmm. have to do it again. Hmm. Okay. But gadolinium so, toxicity, I mean, there's a gamut of problems associated with gadolinium toxicity. That's true. Um, I just like what she wrote here. Is it more likely to die from the dye or to die from a misdiagnosis because we wouldn't drink the dye? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that, That's basically it. That's basically it. I guess that's a conversation between, yeah, you, your husband, your doctors. Absolutely. So, so how this was really publicized hmm. was there was a celebrity case of this. You know, oh. Chuck Norris? Yeah. The, the Kung Karate, Fu, Kung you know, Fu guy, yeah. right, you know, kick butt guy, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, his wife, Gina Norris, wife of actor and martial artist Chuck Norris, claimed to have suffered severe side effects from gadolinium poisoning in a TV interview in 2017. Now, there are even gadolinium lawsuit lawyers. Go figure, right? Well, I remember this. There's yeah. all, there, there are law firms who specialize in this. Mm -hmm. Symptoms associated with gadolinium toxicity will vary from person to person. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually hard to establish it because they're they're vague. Huh. Muscle itches, twitching, ocular problems, cognitive symptoms, um, hair loss, itchy skin. That could happen for a variety of reasons, and pain, all of those. pain, deep okay. bone pain. But hey, you know, how do you establish it? You know, I think hmm. the burden is got to be on, uh, I mean, that's why it's sort of a very niched realm of law trying to prove injury due to gadolinium. There's so, also an, a, an yeah. MRI gadolinium support group even. You know? Oh my. Now I know you've done the urine toxic metal tests on some yeah. people and they've come back high in gadolinium. Because people have had scans. They just had recent scans, yeah, but not that they were it. suffering with anything, right. but exactly. we happen to see it. Doesn't it doesn't prove it. Yeah, it doesn't right. prove it. I'm not right. sure that there is a blood test. Hmm. I guess, Sue, you know, if, if you have, you and your husband have good kidney function, good renal function, that's in your favor. Yeah. Because it's about filtering that out. So, but wow. Wow. Yeah, it's a risk-benefit thing, all right, like you said, Sue. And thank you very much for your question. All right. We have to pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. Oh, my. And so give us a preview of what we're going to talk about in part two. Oh, I'm curious, Dr. Hoffman, of what you think about the Kaufman protocol why we age and how to stop it by dr sandra kaufman sounds excellent yeah let's hear about it let's stop two. aging let's stop it okay <laughs> folks th this is called um a uh, you know it famous radio technique uh which is you know pitching the next feature yeah in part two you will learn how to stop the aging process with Tips from the Kaufman Protocol. Yes. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.